Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast and great to be here with Eric Spencer from Denmark. It's very early in the morning for Eric, so I really appreciate him making the time to join me today. Eric's very active in the community around Power BI, particularly in his part of the world, but is doing a lot of very interesting things within business environment using Power BI. So I think there's a lot of great insights and experience that we can leverage off. So hopefully that's a reasonable intro, Eric, but why don't I throw it over to you and you can expand on that and just tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I actually have a sort of a strange background for ending up in, in Power BI, but uh, I have an actually an education and worked as an accountant for over 15 years before I decided that Excel was so much more fun to work with. So I quit the accounting business and started teaching in Excel. When the first PC arrived in the company many, many years ago, I sort of spent all my lunches seeing what is actually this spreadsheet thing. So when the first task arrived, it was sort of me that knew how to turn on the computer. <laughs> so I learned a lot. And then, yeah, I thought that was so much more fun than doing accounting. So I just before I went should go to the exam as a certified accountant, I said, no, this is not what I really want. I want to work with Excel. So I started teaching. And if I if I knew, if I thought I was good at Excel before, teaching other people about how to use Excel access, etc., that really raises your bar because yeah, <laughs> it might be understandable for you but teaching others that's that's just fun to see how they so after doing that for four or five years doing a lot of the vba and the excel models uh, pivot tables etc uh, back in 2000 actually microsoft launched what was called digital dashboards back then in outlook and i said this is <laughs> awesome so all the accounting folks that I've taught, the finance directors, etc. I said, okay, now we can get financial information directly into Outlook using a dashboard in there. <laughs> but the technology back then was, yeah, <laughs> not uh, ready for that. And that's where we actually are today with Power BI. So the journey from my starting my own company 20 years ago to now, where I work with Power BI every day and develop models, distributing and using the service. That has been very fun. And when did, so was it a natural evolution when Power BI sort of re-released in its current form? You thought, well, this is the next best thing that Microsoft is going to release. The service we provided back then, so a year after I started the company, I sort of got into contact with the people I work with now where we deliver a sort of a BI as a service solution 
where we handle external data for our clients that are within the CPG or FMCG business. So they supply their goods for retailers and the retailers send them information or data back on how their products are performing in the stores. So we sort of develop that as a service because they get it in all different kinds of formats. So we handle that data for them and deliver a, a standard data model for them. And 15 years ago, we used Access and Excel to do that. And then we switched because the amount of data was getting bigger. We switched to analysis services and used our own reporting tool back then to sort of create the tables that we needed. And when reporting services was released, we sort of said, okay, let's use reporting services on top of the multidimensional cubes to create the reports. And we then had SharePoint and sort of used that as a portal for the reports, but also used Power View, perhaps one of the few in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of the first step of having Power BI visualizations, right? Mm. You know, you know what's interesting about about Power View. Just sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Is that no problem? They were actually onto something quite quite good there. When I saw Power View, I got really really excited. Yeah. Then I used it, and it was it was so dysfunctional. It was so dysfunctional, <laughs> so unstable. But in terms of what they were aiming to do, there was such a need in the market, and Excel by itself couldn't do it. But they've obviously solved it with Power BI. They solved it pretty quickly with Power BI. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, when Power BI was first beta, I had access to those versions. So I thought, this is the way we need to go. So about, yeah, that's six years ago, we started to develop the reports in Power BI and changed our model from multidimensional to tabular. And the customers said, what are you doing? We want our old, <laughs> we want the tables, we want to be able to export to Excel, etc." And I said, <laughs> no, this is the road ahead. We need to make it so much easier to create reports so much faster than clicking the view report and waiting for the report to render. And today, yeah, we have over 70 customers that uses our solution. If they don't have Power BI in-house, we have a premium capacity where they access their data from, but we also support having it in their own tenant so they can use Power BI based on our data models in their tenant. That's really interesting. I really want to dive into that a little bit more because I think a lot would be really interested to know this as a service model using Power BI because I think most individuals who want to sort of build something around Power BI or build a business around Power BI, they think they've got to do custom consulting. But I like the track that you've gone down where you've actually sort of built a customized service, reporting service using Power BI as your tool to display that. And so I was just wondering if you could maybe go through a few of the ins and outs of being able to create that solution effectively for a wide range of customers. Yeah, what we have focused on is actually focused on a vertical, right? So our customers are solely or almost solely customers within the same line of business. We know the data that they have access to. They have access to POS data from different retailers that share it in different formats. So when we have developed 
a transformation process to load the data into our sort of standard model that can be shared between all our customers, right? Even though they could build this on their own, we sort of say, let us handle that work. And yeah, we'll split the cost, right? <laughs> between our 70 plus customers, instead of you having to pay a consultant to do exactly the same 70 times. And so is your end product a reporting solution that they upload into their own workspaces or are you sort of on the Power BI embedded model where they sort of log in and view the reports there? Well, actually, our model is hosted on using Azure Analysis Services. They can access that from either our tenant when they log on with either as a guest user or with credentials we create for them in our tenant, or they can have a data set and a set of reports in their own tenant that connects to our Asian analysis services using guest B2B access. And so if one of our customers comes with a good idea on how, okay, we want to see, see it like this, the data, uh, or we want a new measure that calculates this, we sort of implement that in our standard model and every client has the new feature without any cost. Right, so that's part of the service. That also enables us to say, yeah, no, we do not want to <laughs> develop that. And if you want it, you'll have to pay a lot of money <laughs> because you then divert from the standard model. That has, of course, some difficulty on the way because they, okay, we come from here and we want it exactly the way we've always done it. And we want, we then have to persuade them that Best practice is actually this, and it will be a lot more expensive if you create your own model. Right. And so I'm sort of understanding it's, it's sort of more data as a service, right? Yeah. But you also have some reports that you can provide out of the box, I presume. Yeah. Because when the client comes to say, oh, we analyze our data or POS data or Nielsen data or whatever, during our years in the business, then we know how you should have an idea on how you should do it, right? So we can quickly get them off. We don't start with a blank piece of paper. We say, this is our best practices. And if you want it in another color or whatever, yeah, we put another theme file on the report. But yeah, spend some time on actually have a look at the report instead of replicating what you have in Excel perhaps today but use Power BI as the tool. Because Power BI is such a huge success, they sort of have other models that they build on their own and can see, yeah, this is an awesome tool, right? And so the question for you is how, how did you identify, you know, probably it was a number of years ago, how did you identify there was actually a market for this data as a service in the first place? And how did it organically from initial idea? Well, it started out sort of in Europe had a ECR committee that worked with category management where they have some expensive consultants saying, this is how you should do it. And they wrote a book, but there wasn't actually a tool to do it in real life. There was PowerPoint slides, this is how you should do it, but no tool on how actually to handle the data. <laughs> and visualize it in a reasonable way. So I was involved in 
in a sort of proof of concept project where we had four or five companies of the leading brand owners saying, okay, this is how we should work. We don't have the tool for it. We do this in Excel, etc. We need to automate this in order to not spend time on creating the reports, but analyzing the reports. And when suddenly the data became even more accessible because the retailer started to sharing their POS data at point of store level, Excel was not an option, right? Uh, back then we had yeah, only a million rows <laughs> and Power Pivot was not existing back then. So you needed sort of a database in order. And we sort of said, okay, we can provide a service that provides this. And during the road, more and more data was accessible. And yeah, of course we had the history as well to maintain. And instead of us acting like consultants saying, okay, we can <laughs> create this project and then we'll move to the next client. I sort of said, no, we must do this as a service, right? There's no need to replicate this. And that meant that we could create a pricing model that was very competitive, right? In some cases, international companies ask us, the price is that in euros or dollars? No, this is Danish krona. So that's seven euros on a Danish krona, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we were very price competitive. So the main issue was to sell the service, saying that you don't need this in-house, you can get it a lot cheaper if you buy it as a service. And that has then evolved from the first movers to, oh, the big brand owners are actually using this as well and enable us to make the sale easier. Yeah, right. But it's still, yeah, selling is it's not as easy as you would think, even though you say that the price is very low. Yes, there's always bureaucracy to deal with. Yeah. So that's really great. I really, really interested in some slightly different setups around Power BI and business models, et cetera. And so that's, a, that's obviously one that's evolved with as Power BI has grown. It was existing beforehand, but it's still very interesting that you've been able to overlay now Power BI to an existing very effectively. It's always great to hear. Now, you're obviously you know, very active in the Power BI community and, and uh, particularly in your part of the world. And I was just, I guess, wondering what your thoughts are on some of the recent updates in Power BI. Maybe some of the things you really like, some of the things that you think are quite transformational. Yeah, just interested to hear your take. Well, of course, the new field parameters, that makes it so much easier to make things more flexible. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I, yeah, that I just demoed for our clients yesterday was actually direct query against analysis services or Power BI datasets. That is really enabling us to break down the data silos. So in my demo yesterday, I showed one Power BI report, not a dashboard, right? With six different Power BI datasets within it. And even though there, you should, of course, think very carefully on how you build such a model and how you relate it. The performance really has surprised me if you do it right. Mm. You can really screw things up, but 
this enabling us to integrate different data models in the same report, mm-hmm. that is really something I see a huge potential in. Mm. It's still a preview feature because, yeah. But that really has the capabilities of being a huge success, I think. Yeah, I can see that. If yeah. it's used right. Yeah, the biggest thing there is just scale, isn't it? Do you feel mm-hmm. like Microsoft are trying to separate the model in a Power BI desktop file to the, they're trying to move it from Power BI desktop to more centralized within, say, a workspace, for example. So you don't have everyone going off and building replicas of exactly the same thing. Just create it from sort of one expert, create the master model, and then you can utilize that across various different reports. Yeah, I see a lot of the focus on the enterprise, right? On the what capabilities the enterprise need, and perhaps not enough on the small and medium-sized businesses, which Denmark is uh, the Scandinavian countries are full, full of. So they focus a lot of enterprise features, and that's too bad, I think, because. I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure there's a monetary reason. It could be. <laughs> they are probably <laughs> not in it for the, only the community or the charity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we can see it with the data. It's sort of most of the companies that I work with are not enterprises. Well, they are enterprises, but the departments where I work with, they sort of come from the self-service BI idea okay we have this data it won't help us so we use excel oh oh now we have power bi to develop tools and then we find the excel guy that can help us build a model and then we sort of end up not in the excel hill but sort of the self-service power bi hill (laughs) instead and microsoft hasn't really solved that yet right they sort of, who is the Power BI admin of your company, right? In some of the cases, the company doesn't know. So we have Power BI and then we sort of kick off and let things evolve. And that's very dangerous, right? On this one version of the truth. To me, though, that when Microsoft first released Power BI, that was what they were really promoting, was sort of that, yeah. that world. But they've certainly rated it as more and more requests have come through from I'm sure some of their biggest biggest customers and that's why yeah they're really focused on building out the enterprise part of the solutions. Yeah. But what I'm finding and I'm I'm not sure if you do you, you see this much at all, but I'm I'm finding that some Power BI has been used for a number of years now within organizations, but everyone is basically having to rebuild a lot of their data architecture, their data pipelines because of these new features that have come out. I'm seeing and hearing that basically across every conversation I have it almost is exactly the same. So I guess that's an opportunity, but it's also a challenge for a lot of businesses. There's understanding you've got all these options now. What is the best architecture for what type of business you are and how big you are and how small you are and how resourced you are and how and how you know, little resources you have? So it's quite complicated. Absolutely. And yeah, which tools should I pick? Should I pick Power BI Desktop? Should I look into Dataflow? Should I now look into Data Marts? Should I go for Synapse or... Oh, they also say I would need a data lake or, <laughs> yeah. How do I actually plan my 
modern data platform or data warehouse. That's not easy with all the tools we have in the tool belt now. I would be very confident in saying though that 80%, maybe 90% of businesses could probably have a very successful deployment of Power BI without having to go too far down the Azure rabbit hole. Like you can use third-party connectors, you can use Excel. There's a raft of things that you can use and there's a raft of tools where you can connect via APIs to your marketing data, your anything SaaS-related can be connected in, in, in various different ways. There's just so much you can do without having to think about some huge um, database project in Azure. Totally agree. And we are, and I see that accessing APIs or actually all new services that sort of evolve for companies, they have an API, right? So most of the new software as a business or software as a service companies, they know that they need to support an API. The Power BI developer might not be as, or the self-service user might not be skilled enough to use it, but I'm sure that we will see a lot of connectors, as we know from the Power Apps, Power Automate, where we can connect to, to Power BI instead have the data in and integrate that. I think during the last couple year, I've uh, developed or helped customers connecting to eight or different eight to ten different APIs, exposing their ERP data, exposing their how they use their credit cards, so having their expenses paid, etc. So knowing how to do that or exposing, creating actually a connector, that's going to evolve. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree as well. And the other thing I really like, and particularly for, say, smaller businesses, is that Power BI almost has created this data layer, this sort of like ETL layer particularly with data sets, with data flows, and I presume data marks, it can be done in a similar sort of way. So it's almost created a sort of quasi-database layer. Microsoft doesn't sort of call it that, but you can get a lot of data into the Power BI experience in an automated way, if you set it up correctly, you know, that would cover vast majority of your data use cases. So it's just about sort of finding the tools and the services that can help you get that data in efficiently. Yeah, and I think as a business, when you uh, buy into new services, software, one of the first questions should be, do you have an API, right? So we can access the data so we don't get end up in uh, data islands again <laughs> or silos where we need to take the famous export to Excel button. Yeah. When you've been dealing with customers, what are some of the things that you've seen being done particularly around, say, overall just implementations of Power BI that have made some companies more successful with what they've been doing on their data projects versus others? What are some of the, the key attributes? I haven't been involved on the IT side as much because we sort of deliver this service. So that's hard for me to say, actually. But especially education, in moving the mindset from tables to visuals, right? I'm used to having this long Excel. I know exactly where then try to create the reports so they get a natural flow from their Excel world 
where they've used to live to visuals. Why is it that you should use a visual instead of a table? And make the transition from that as smooth as possible because they will have resistance. Some <laughs> will have a resistance. I'm used to, to this, so that's how I want it. But you can get so much more using the visualization tools in Power BI. Things you can't do in Excel, tooltips, drill through, whatever. And that must really be highlighted for users. It's not because the tool will solve. The tool is good, but it won't solve. Or you should know how to work with it and how to utilize the capabilities in the visualization. And then make sure that you have a well-performing model, right? If you start to see the rendering button in the upper left corner of your visuals, then you must stop and say something is wrong. What's your advice? I had a really quick thought, which, which I think is really relevant, is to me, the hardest thing for skills, like a skill to learn with Power BI is the data model. Yeah. Really mastering the data model. So we both started with Excel, but moving to a model-like report development and still is still is even now ultra confusing for most developers out there. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've done some advisory work with a customer and they're utterly confused as to why they're not getting results. And you look at their model and it's, and it's a complete utter mess. No one would understand how anything is calculated. This has been one of the massive downsides, I think, with Power BI and, and something that was never, you know, was never marketed or anything. But it is, I guess, I'm getting to my question in a second, but how can we more easily educate people on the model? And how can we get them to understand the model, how it works quicker and easier? Yeah, I've seen that as well. The last case was a client that had, well, they actually have six fact tables and one dimension table all. <laughs> then, yeah, I built a star schema. No, <laughs> you have built something that looks like a star schema, right? <laughs> if, because you have positioned the, the tables in the right order, but you had six facts tables with the same granularity in each of them. Uh, why is it not in one table? But again, where do they learn data modeling, the users? I didn't have it in school. <laughs> and if we go to the Kimball model, we sort of get a very thick book and where all the theory is in order. And yeah, I haven't read Kimball to the end <laughs> because that's just too much and I don't have time for that. But what, how do we actually teach people to create a good data model? And if we, yeah, and then we can look at the community again and say, hmm, how many sessions do we actually have in conferences, etc., explaining the basics on, yeah, we have information about how we should, that we should use a star scheme and what the effect is. But if we look at a business problem or business model description, how do we actually model a, a just as simple as uh, sales by store or by product, etc. That's the easy part. But then if you add many to many, etc., why is it that you do it and how is it done properly? And that sort of separates the uh, users, right? And during the, the community work that I've done, I've met a few people showing me their model and I have seen it as you probably also have. 
a lot of times that, okay, why do you have multiple day tables? You have the same granularity in these tables. Yeah, you should really invest in knowing what <laughs> a data model is and how you should do it. And perhaps write a book that is more simple than, than simple. <laughs> do you think there's going to be a big money spin up the, 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 the book on data modeling? Look, I, I think that's just the most unexciting part of Power BI development, really, when it comes down to it. It doesn't lend itself well to people searching on Google like Dax does, no. for example. <laughs> so, you know, that's why I would say it's, it's even more important now with the fact that you can architect your models in the service itself. You can get a lot more scale with that. It's become even more important, but it's about getting the word out. It's about, you know, from up and down the size of business, you know, from small businesses to larger businesses. If you don't get that architecting right, it can just ruin your overall experience and reports and sort of power be up. On the flip side, it's also very true. If you really nail it, you can create things in about you know 20% of the time and, yeah. and they'll work five times quicker. Like just it's such a crucial part. Yeah, and I think, as you say, you will save your project, you will save so much time at the end yeah. and minimize the need for searching for DAX solutions online afterwards if you spend time on the data modeling part and if you don't have the skills in-house rent an expert it's not that hard if you can describe your your business requirements to build the data model but it's if you haven't done it before you could end up doing a lot of mistakes ending up in not bad decks but decks created because your data model doesn't support it and do a lot of <laughs> searching on the internet. Why? Yeah, I have no doubt this is probably one of the most common things that is happening in the Power BI universe at the moment is, is you're compensating, compensate with methods uh, for, for what uh, could be easily fixed in, in the model. And we, we've learned this over and over time, again, the enterprise DNA with our challenges and also with some advisory work we do is it is the most common thing. One of the things that I, I just tried to simplify, simplification wherever possible across your entire model and then includes the data model. And, and you'll be amazed at how simpler things get, how much more intuitive, sorry, they get when you actually take the simplification approach. Like the less tables, the better, for example. You know, instead of having 30 tables, try and get it down to seven or something. Just can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah, you need some practice, right? And if you only build one, data model in your life, <laughs> then you won't have the practice, right? So talk to someone who has built more, more than one. Yeah, yeah. What's one of the things that you've been doing with the community over in, in Denmark? You have your own user group, right? Do you guys have regular meetings? Yeah, I founded the Power BI Danish user group five years ago, together with Just, uh, another Microsoft MVP in Denmark. Power BI kicked off back then, and they sort of opened up for, I think Denmark was one of the first user groups actually created on Power BI. So we do regular meetings during the COVID. We, we did virtual meetings, uh, but has now returned to in-person meetings because I think that's, that's more fun. We also run virtual meetings as well. But I've actually just stepped down as the user group leader for Denmark and leave it to my co-partner in, in my company, Jens Vestergaard. I want to spend some more time on blocking and, and speaking instead of arranging. 
Interesting. Like sort of traveling to the bigger Microsoft events and yeah. summits, etc. And New Zealand for hopefully at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I wouldn't recommend coming here now. It's absolutely freezing. But uh, definitely in the summer, there's a summertime one. Yeah. <laughs> We're used to that in Denmark, so. Yes, yes, no, that's true, that's true. And what are some of the events that you might actually, have you sort of got a calendar in place where, what are the ones you like the most? The one I've enjoyed the most was actually the Data Insights Summit that Microsoft held a couple of years ago before COVID. A lot of the external speakers and a lot of good content, not focusing on selling the product, but actually practical solution. So enjoy actually speaking at other user groups, etc. I think social we can get, the more networking that we can actually share thoughts and yeah, speak and demonstrate the solution that we have built in real life. I really enjoy that. Yeah, giving to to be able to, sh- to share experiences between the user group members. And it's also very educational for me because the questions that you get sort of tells you how, where is, where is it hard for others to understand the concept that you might have learned in order to sort of understand how you can help users understand the, the new capabilities. Perhaps based on my yeah, old experience as teaching people Excel, uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of teaching. I mean, there's just, there's literally no better way to to really master something than by teaching others. It forces you to really dive into the weeds of like how these things you know, truly work and and explaining it, you know, just sort of opens your mind to, to you know, the, the core things of a topic, but also a lot of the nuance to things of the topic as well. So I couldn't agree with you more. Now, one, I guess, final thoughts and questions for you. You know, Power BI has evolved so much in the past few years. I mean, it's really actually quite phenomenal. You'd also have to say that the Power Platform as a suite has really evolved as a lot as well. But what are some of the things on the horizon that, that you're really excited about? Like, what do you think some of the things that are coming up that could really change the game again with Power BI and, and the associated tools around it? Well, that must be... Uh... The, the capabilities of creating more than one app on a workspace. Really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that look that that sounds like quite a simple thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you wonder why that it actually it actually could be quite a big deal because yeah. at the moment you're having to make so many decisions around what you put into a workspace because of that one thing. Yeah. But yeah, like being able to create multiple apps. Again, I mean you might have to re-architect a lot of your data, etc. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that is very far away? Like, why has it taken so long to develop that? I think it's a matter of resources. They have so many good ideas, right? So they need to prioritize what, where to go. And perhaps also, what should they actually focus on? Might not be on top priority because people are used to the, perhaps not think about how to distribute their work. They, oh, I just give them access to workspaces. And what does that actually mean? Oh, I then, oh, you don't need access to this. Then I'll put that in another. So it's it's sort of like, yeah, getting back to the old folder structure in our network, right? right? 
oh, I'll just put a copy of that file in this and then share that folder. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's not the way we want to go, right? But people have sort of come around the problem by putting the data and they now have the capability of sharing data set across workspaces and that also helped. But it could be easier, right? <laughs> and again, another capability that we have tried for for very long folders in a workspace, right? How can we sort of structure the elements? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Why have we got that? <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I mean, that is like a no-brainer too. Yeah, because when you have a massive workspace yeah. and you have a ton of different reports, it'd be nice to sort of have a place where you could put like a production ready or verified versus unverified or currently in development or something like that. But at the moment, they're all just together, aren't they? So like that would be a, a really sensible thing to, to add as well. And the deployment pipelines where you have the test development test and normal users have no idea on how to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, following on from that, one of the other ideas I had, and this is a big trend, and I see Microsoft are making waves with another product it's called Loop, I think it is, but collaborative development, like being able to be on the screen at the same time, sort yeah. of working away. Like at the moment, you've got, should be more seamless, right? It should be sort of integrated into Microsoft Teams or something like that, where you sort of click over and then you do sort of collaborative dev. I think that would be quite a nice, yeah. a nice evolution as well. But I see there is a brand new product, kind of like Evernote or Notion. Have you ever heard of those tools? I think it's called Loop. It's called Loop. It's like a new one they're releasing. I think I saw the name recently. Yeah, and thought, what is that? And what I haven't had time to look at it. I think they're trying to eat other companies' lunch, <laughs> just like they did with Power BI versus Tableau. Yeah. So that's interesting. You're seeing that. That's sort of a big trend everywhere. Is this? collaborative because of i think because of covid you know and everyone being more virtual and working from home etc it's just becoming more much more relevant so yeah i think that would be an exciting one as well i like the folders idea though that's a good one it's a good such a simple one but <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's so helpful. but i'm yeah i'm most excited about the capabilities of creating multiple apps and all. yeah no look i agree with you there too. i do agree like it isn't the most exciting thing to talk to no. <laughs> a customer about or, or create training about. Just being able to architect a range of different key models or core models uh, and then build up maybe some core measures in a centralized location yeah. and then being able to quickly move those into reports. I mean, I saw a customer recently who actually, they decided with the current feature set that we have in Power BI that they didn't want the vast majority of their users to develop in Power BI desktop. They wanted to build everything in the core data sets within workspaces and then have templates where most of their users could just drag and drop, drag forms, yeah. drag, uh, drag columns. And I really, that was the first time I had seen that. And, you know, I, there's, some, there's some pros and cons to it, but I, I thought it was the most organized I had seen, right? Versus everyone going off and building. 20 different Power BI reports in a workspace with the same variation of the same data set and the same models, et cetera. So I think scale, scale bringing more scale to the overall development, I think is, is going to benefit everyone. So I think, I think they're making really good waves in that direction. Yeah. And another wish that I have is now I'm currently working with a, with a client where they move their Excel reports to Power BI and say, oh, this one would be so much easier to create in uh, Excel, and that is uh, measure-driven data labels. Mm -hmm. 
that would be be nice to have. Yeah, the capabilities of actually showing another label on a, a bar that actually is another measure. That could be nice. Yeah, right. I think there are custom visuals for that, but yeah, you would think that that is more sort of like out of the box. Like I think, you know, having to pay some sort of extra monthly subscription just for some simple feature like that is, is something most people really want to do. You know, I think there's another, they look another small one, but yeah, it could make a big difference. So, you know, being able to cust- like customizing any data label, basically. Yeah, I like that one. I like it. They are on the on the way with a lot of FXs in the, in our property pane. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that particular. Yeah, yeah, nice one, nice one. I think we've sort of got to the end here, so I just want to really thank you for your time and enjoyed enjoyed our discussion and hearing your insights. Yeah, you know, it's always always great to connect with experienced Power BI users all around the world. So just really appreciate all your thoughts today, and I've really enjoyed having you on. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, to all of, uh, to your favorite uh, podcast player. We also put this video up on the Enterprise DNA YouTube channel, so so check it out there as well. And uh, Eric, where can others contact you, or maybe you just want to plug your uh, your blog or where you put out content? Where's the best place for them to to do that? Yeah, I have a blog called Eric Swenson, also on Twitter with Don Svensson. That's because I'm Spanish, but uh, we had a Spanish uh, subsidiary at some point where I was CEO. And when the papers came from there, I was Don Svensson. And that's, uh, so that's a nickname that I <laughs> picked up there. Yeah. Are you on Twitter posting a lot about Power BI or is, are you more sort of just a, a viewer, a consumer? It's, uh, I'm, uh, I just saw that I've, uh, surpassed 2,500 tweets, but I've been there on yeah since uh, 13 years now. Actually, wow, wow, amazing! You're an early adopter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I primarily uh, tweet about Palpia. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, those are some good good spots to to check out more of your content. Okay, let's wrap up. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's great to be connected, and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There, we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.